do not do anything useless. Don't be afraid to criticize yourself. Don't be afraid to say this didn't work. Why didn't it work? Read the science with logic. Remove emotion. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. Boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is an ardent patriot. He is one of the experts on self-defense, on how to properly throw a knife. I discovered him while watching the amazing patriotic channel known as the Warrior Poets Society. And what I saw this man deliver absolutely blew me away. He's a winner, he's a patriot, and he is the pro knife thrower. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Jason Johnson. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. Honored to have you, my friend. So, Jason, um, I, I dig knives. I'm a knife nut. Uh, I've got about 80 of them in my collection right now. So anybody who makes knives, anybody who does cool things with knives has got my attention. That's oh, the reason awesome. I've got you here. And it, it's one of the cool things about having a show like this. I get to interview some of the smartest people in the world, people who are true experts in their area of expertise. The person who's listening to this show, they tend to be entrepreneurs. They re- the reason they listen to this show is they want to learn from the interesting people that I bring on here. But before they can really kind of like pay real attention to you, they need to get to know you, man. So how'd you get to be the pro knife thrower? Oh, wow. That's a, a question I've been asked a few times in my life, but it's never the easiest to answer. Um, probably started growing up in a small town, uh, being super stubborn, watching too many martial arts movie marathons and not having a whole lot to do. So, uh, you know, it was one of them things where you see it in the movies, but it's not like in the movies and you, everybody throws a knife and it just spins and hits stuff and bounces off. And the way my brain works makes me want to do things very logically and very, it has to work under duress. It has to be deliverable. It has to be reproducible like a primal defense mechanism should be. And uh, I just, I'm really stubborn. (laughs) So I learned how to do it and be able to define it in a easy to reach, uh, easy to do system that can be done as effectively and easy as just throwing a rock. So that's important to, to note. That's cool. So when did you start to actually do it as a living man? You know what I mean? Cause it ain't everybody that is known as the pro knife thrower and is yeah, after by big people <laughs> on the internet to bring them on their shows yeah. to have millions of people watch them learn yeah it's, it's been a trip man it's uh you know for me it's like i always welcome people to say oh you can't do this you can't do that and you know all that stuff but to be to, to me it's just like showing what was already existing two thousand years ago um the the path to it is very obscure um i just wanted to show the people what was possible with a knife because it was exciting you know it's a lot of fun i mean you don't have to pay for reload costs. You can throw knives all day, do whatever you want. But having the actual grasp of uh, just manipulating a simple physics dynamic is something that 
started, um, I don't know, five years ago. And I threw a soda can about 20 feet and pinned it to a target with a knife. Wow. And uh, that was like a, I call it the can trick or whatever. So now everybody's in the knife throwing world kind of does can tricks and stuff. It's like a, it's cool. And uh, it's a you thing know, now. it's a thing. And so, which is fun. Uh, but to me, it was always a thing where I've trained at hitting moving targets. Just like, I mean, I grew up hunting on the farm. I grew up on the farm. I, I grew up using knives for work. I grew up using, you know, walking beans every day with a corn knife, you know, in the summer times and, and all that stuff. So it's just been a very, uh, already very part of what I do. But I came out of the woodwork to that and didn't realize that nobody else threw knives my way. Uh, no one else had really done that. It was kind of more of a, you know, yeah. not really like if, if I said throw a baseball, you're not going to stop your hand. You're going to throw the baseball all the way through. That's how you get 95 mile an hour fastball that curve in the wind and do cool stuff like that. Yeah. But that's the, no one told me how to do it. No one told me what I couldn't do, what I could do, what was the regulation way or anything like that. So I just devised all this stuff to make it work. Cause for me, I wanted it to work, um, to, to make it easy to do under duress. And that was a thing where it was like, well, I didn't necessarily de design it so that I had to do it under duress, so to speak as a 10 year old kid. Cause I started this stuff when the Berlin wall was falling and, uh, wow. yeah, I've been throwing nice since I was about 10 years old. And, um, you know, teaching myself how to do it. I never really thought like, oh, it has to be able to be combat applicable. It was just, no, I want to know the way to throw a knife effectively and hit whatever I want to hit without second guessing it. And so, you know, that became a thing where if you've seen some of the videos that I've done with John and Warrior Poet Society, there's even the 100, 100 Deadly Skills Combat Edition has a whole bunch of tutorials and QR codes and all that fun stuff in there yeah. that shows what it is. It's basically no rotation until 10 or 12 feet, depending on the person, how far you can project that. But then it's just one spin up to 25 feet. So 25 feet outdoors is quite a waste. So, you know, it's a pretty big buffer zone. Uh, and then just to train myself how to do that without second guessing. It has to be something like at Byron Rogers class when I met with Tim Larkin. Uh, I had nobody not able to get it. Everybody that took the class was a lot of people there. Every single person got it, including Byron's wife, including his grandmother. Everybody got it. So grandmother. That must have been true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I love teaching little kids. It's a lot of fun. Um, one of my buddies got a niece that's just a small little blonde girl, and she's a knife thrower. I mean, at two years old, at three years old, you know, my son was throwing knives. He was once the youngest knife thrower in the world at like a year and a half old. And uh, so it's just something that can be trained to anybody, and it's no more difficult than just it's it's cut projection. You know what I mean? You know, I think about people who are the very best at what they do. So I'm I'm a sportsman and. I like sports, um, followed basketball a great deal. S some of my favorite players growing up were people like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Yeah, me and, too. And, right. And then from before uh, my time, there's the greatest player of all time, in my opinion, the great Will Chamberlain, man who scored 50 points a game for a whole season. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the greatest player of all time. I love MJ. He's awesome and all, but he didn't come close to that. Nobody yeah. did. And right. there, there was a thing that made those people who they were. And I look at you and knife throwing, man. You're like the Michael Jordan, the Larry Bird, the Will Chamberlain of knife throwing. You know what I'm saying? Like you got a skill set. You understand how to do it. You figured out your own unique, original way of getting it out there and getting it done. And when you talk about it, there is a, there's a thing that comes over you. You're calm. You're cool. You're collected. You know what you're doing. You, you, you throw the knife, you, you talk about how to throw the knife. There's not a wasted word. There's not a wasted motion. And it's a thing of beauty. 
to watch you throw a knife. Well, it's like watching Michael Jordan, you know, take a running leap and do a dunk. Or it's like yeah. watching Wilt Chamberlain touch the top of the backboard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I grew up in that era, man. I'll tell you what, I'm a basketball fan. and I don't play a lot of basketball, but I was a big fan of it. And one of my bucket list items was to always be able to play a, a basketball game with like, you know, folks like that. And at one point I kicked my bucket list, butt. I don't know if we can curse on here, but I kicked my bucket list, butt by uh, having my buddy, Kenny Dobbs, who's the international slam dunk champion yeah. uh, played for the Phoenix suns. And uh, I had him play me in a game of basketball where I was like, you got to Harlem globetrotter me, man. I want to look horrible. You got to make me look really bad. So he did. Awesome. And it was awesome. And That's he bounced awesome. the ball off my head. And he's like, when I'm like, when do I get the ball? And he shot that three pointer and I faded back and threw a knife at that ball, popped it before it hit the backboard and oh. took it offline. And <laughs> it's, it's on my Facebook or on my Instagram page. But yeah, that was a lot of fun because for I me, I like, like that. It was a big target, you know, but the thing was for me was more throwing up in the air, which was a new thing because I don't really want to throw my knife way up in the air. So it was cool to, to you know, it took us like 20 minutes to get the shot. Wow. So because I didn't want to hit the backboard, you know, it's a trick shot. So it's not like something where I'm throwing up in the air into space and meeting his ball halfway, which is fun because he's throwing at an angle. So it was really cool, but we got it pretty quickly. And uh, it was just an awesome shot. It was one of those bucket list items for me. Uh, to be able to do it next is the helicopter. I really want to throw knives out of a helicopter. So I think I can make it happen if I just need a helicopter. So if you know any good pilots, <laughs> but don't mind. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I'm, I don't know any helicopter pilots, but I'll keep my eyes open. I got a pretty good network. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, Tim Larkin done. shoots machine guns out of a helicopter. You may want to reach out to him. So I think yeah, there's been a few, few folks that have been saying like, hey, we could do this. We could do that. And I'm like, as long as you let me throw a knife out of your helicopter, that's fine. I'm pretty sure the fan blades to blow it down. It's not going to hurt it, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I'd like to have a, a couple of test runs dummies to, to learn the physics of it, but just to go buy on a helicopter and lean out, you know what I mean? That'd be really cool. So how'd you start making a living out of throwing knives? Well, so knife throwing is not only what I teach. I teach close quarters disassembly and uh, implemented throwing or uh, cut projection. So close quarters disassembly is just, I mean, no one's a knife fighter. I thought I heard, I heard that quote a few years ago and I was like, yeah, you're right. No one is a knife fighter. I'm not a knife fighter. I'm really good with a knife, close quarters and throwing it and all that stuff, but I'm not a knife fighter because I have no scars all over me. Like that's not how this works. Real knife fighting is not like that. Like it's uh, like I say to folks, little blade will cut you open and big blade will cut you in half. Right. So yeah. the longer you mess around with somebody with the little blade, the more you're going to get stabbed and poked. But stabby stabs don't really do what you think they're going to do. The organs can move and slide around a stab. Uh, the, the organs have a hard membrane of mucus around them. That's yeah. very hard to cut. Uh, all those things that go into applying. So, I mean, as far as saying you're a knife fighter or whatever, no, I, I would rather throw and go. I would rather use my pistol. I would rather just not be there. But, you know, as a point of what a knife does, uh, if you go into a knife fight with somebody like you're in Venezuela, just prepare to get cut too. Uh, you, that's the whole point of me throwing a knife. I'm gonna hit you hard with the projected force multiplication and I'm gonna stop you from being able to hit me first while I negotiate to my next weapon or negotiate to the point of cover or I pull out my pistol and decide whether or not you need more holes in you or evil has left your body completely. So. Uh, it's it's a, it's a force multiplication option. Just like if I'm sitting in a metal chair and someone comes up and may use a metal chair.
Yeah, so I was in uh, Tim Larkin's uh, TFT course, Target Focus Training course. I did it twice, actually. Once in Los Angeles, once in my hometown of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And um, this is what he said about taking on someone with a knife versus someone with a gun. He said, if someone's got a knife, your best option is to run away. Your best option is to run away, get away from them. Someone's got a pistol, your best option is to run toward them. If you run away from a pistol, they'll shoot you dead, <laughs> right. right? But if you run you at them, time them and they reach out, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you run at them and they are, you know, they're not a trained professional with the pistol, they're likely right. going to feel a little scared and it'll throw off right. their aim. You got a shot at living through a pistol shot that way. Yeah, absolutely, but, you do. But a knife, it's over. You get in close, like. I mean, I've got, this is my SE. Now, this is not a fighting knife. This is a survival knife, but. They're all, yeah, that's all the this same. Thing is, this thing is a hunk of steel, as sharp as, as all get out, and, and it, it'll slice right through you. Now, I just, uh, um, I also have my uh, cold steel Tonto Leatherneck. Same with this sucker, you know. Yeah, this, like the- yeah it's, it's nice. It's a nice looking blade. I, I, I got to say, I. Lynn Thompson's a crazy man. <laughs> God, I, know. Um, I tell you what, man, uh, one thing I want to point out that sh- should be negotiated thoroughly mentally when someone comes across these points in their mind and say, okay, a knife this and a knife that, there's no fancy knife defense system. There's not. Two silverback gorillas colliding in battle, that's realistic. Uh, watch any knife attack and watch what happens. You, It's not, you're not going to parry and grab, the, it's just, Okay, so be prepared for that. The next thing is that stabbing is way less effective. You can get stabbed 10, 20 times. And if you get stabbed in the midsection, there's going to find a lot of those stab wounds will slide around your organs. Your organs will actually move out of the way because they're hard to penetrate. If the knife is not super sharp, if it's not very pointed, if it's just like a crappy whatever, you're you're going to get a bunch of holes in you. But you're going to find that that's going to, for on the defensive side of things, take even that knife. Even on the defensive side of things, it's going to take a lot more time to disable that enemy if you're stabbing. Now, if I'm stabbing in, me, I'm cutting, right? I'm cycling. I'm stabbing in and cutting out. I'm, I want to open you. Now, there's a big differences between cuts that disable and cuts that injure. You know what I mean? It's a, there's just all these things that go into, into contemplation, but it all becomes very simplified. And, uh, and that's the hugest thing. It has to be simplified. I grew up on the farm butchering animals. I mean, you give me a cow, I can butcher it in about seven hours if you've got a bobcat to hang it from So and package it. So the learning what you're actually doing. Ed Calderon teaches some really great classes where he actually lets people get focused in on a hog carcass. And, you know, he had me come to one of the classes and I'm like, I already know what to expect. I already know to watch people first discover this stuff in their 30s. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I get to watch them do it. But then I get to stand up and throw a knife at a hog cheekbone. Well, what do you think happened? Right. The knife went right into the cheekbone of the hog and the, where it starts to sharpen is what stopped it. So the blade doesn't slow down. And then when I aim at the, the spinal cavity, the handle will actually pull into the flesh. Wow. So it takes wings onto the target. And people are like, oh, you can't throw a knife into a human skull. I'm like, dude, it only takes 100 or 70 pounds of pressure per square inch to crack your human skull per square inch. What do you think that is for a hog? What it's like it? 200 and some, way more. It's it's way more. The hog skull is way more dense and much more flexible because of the nature of the beast. So 
is not easy, but a blade don't care because it's, 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 it's zero or it's sharpness is absolute zero. So when you're talking about penetrating force, if I take a saber tooth and it's sharp and I throw that, where is, what, where's its point of resistance? I take a, a pound blade and throw it. Where's its point of resistance? Only when the profile starts to get larger, will it start collecting resistance? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, but the leading edge is hundred percent zero. It's sharp. It's infinite penetration capability because it's nothing. Yeah. So that's why the throne blade, it's not about the puncture. It's about the impact you feel about it. So a throne blade, I would say, look, if you have like a, one of your SE knives or whatever, now I can flip that one of that SE knives around and throw it has been just fine. But if I have a rock or a can of soup, it's going to be more effective. Why? Because that blade is light. It's not a heavy knife. I'm transferring force of impact. Yeah. The knife's going to stick you. And this, this blade here will pull into you. That handle will go into your body. And it's it's i mean that'll come out of your back i could pin somebody to a wall with a knife if you don't believe it like i i could show you <laughs> uh, we've done a lot of testing so the point is that the body's super soft and and all that stuff but the actual pen the actual poke is not what i want it's the force of impact that it hits you with and that's where you think about a baseball now take a can of campbell's soup that i can have anywhere in the world wherever i can't have a weapon and i can yeah. be like hey back up back up grab my can of soup and be like Campbell's, you know what I mean? If you learn how to throw and you learn how to throw it right, you're going to hit that dude so hard, and people are like, "All right, it's going to dodge it." See what happens when you get hit in the chest really hard with something with an edge, with a profile. Like you're talking about cracked ribs, you're talking about flail chest, you're talking about depending on how that person throws it at you, you're going to be very injured. At the same time, they could glance it off. At the same time, you could miss. At the same time, but what happens when I throw something at somebody? They right. What are you doing still standing there? Leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. Like who only carries one knife? Not me. Like my, my second carry knife is a cold steel Espada XL. I don't have it with me. It's in my truck. But yeah. Oh, man, that I thing's a crazy blade. blade. Yeah. And I pull that out and that's a peacekeeping knife. Why do I solve it that? Because if you stab me with something and I'm surprised and I turn around and pull out that blade, I'm cutting off whatever stabbed me and I'm keeping it. So I'm keeping the peace. But, you know, like you find... Even if you get a knife that, you, and I tell people all the time when you're taking classes, a little microtech, it's very light, yeah. uh, the cipher or whatever. It's a cool knife. It's a tool. If you can't get this blade out under duress while someone's punching you and you're falling backwards, forget it. That's why a fixed blade is always going to rule the day. Uh, it's, it's just, look, a lot of times you even see that where self-defense occurs with a knife and, and it's more rare than you think. Like you don't see a lot of guys able to get their bench made out and prepare for self-defense. You don't see that recorded a lot. This is not a very common thing. But when a guy gets his blade out and he has it in his hand, or how you almost forget that it's in your hand when the adrenaline dump happens because it's so light. You don't have a mental engagement to that being a tool in your hand. You know what I mean? And people are like, well, how can you throw knives under duress? And I'm like, well, because I'm just throwing a rock. How can you shoot a gun under duress? It's a fine motor skill. It's the same you know what thing. I mean? It's, yeah, it's training. Yeah. It's the same thing. But me, I'm just throwing a rock. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's literally a caveman throwing a rock. So, I love it. so talk to me about accessible. your business model, man. How have you turned this passion of yours into money? Well, uh, the saber tooth and the baby tooth are both knives that I make. I train a lot of folks. I travel around and do a lot of teaching. I train a lot of folks. This I just did a no seat train and learn event in, in Missouri. But I have these on my website. It's proknifethrower.com. Those are out. I'm actually grinding uh, the production blades for the next run myself. Cause I thought it'd be cool. 
and uh, we're just making sure the heat treatments and all that stuff are good. I'm changing some things around with some sheaths where, you know, I'm tweaking my final product because I, these are, these are the premier knife. I mean, the knife is patent pending on itself, which is crazy because it's a fixed plate. Look at and the handle, uh, man. That looks like uh, the handle for the old Cutco knives. You remember Cutco? Remember, you remember Eck knives, EK knives? Yeah. And theirs were like slanted and all along the whole thing. And some of the, so basically this handle design is my own, but I've taken everything that I hated about knives and got rid of it, taken everything that I liked about a knife and got, put it in there. Like the grooves in the handle, I can stab this thing into a brick and and not have my hand slip. So that's really important uh, for being able to use a knife for close quarters disassembly or as a tool just in general. And then at the same time, I can make the knife slide out of my hand how I want it to. Um, There's a lot of science that I put into this just from experience. Uh, of doing it for so long, but uh, the so baby. You sell the knives. You sell a couple of knives. Are these production knives? Are they? Yeah, so they're production blades. I got the the saber tooth and the baby tooth is floating around here somewhere. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> I got crap all over the place. Uh, this is a baby tooth. So there, there's different colors on the handles and stuff, but it's this is a black coated. Like that. That's uh, sweet. Tooth. It's about about four and a quarter inch blade but i mean i can throw this through a hockey puck so if you know a hockey puck i can get the tip of this through the other side which is a lot you know what i mean so we're talking uh, 2100 pages in a phone book on average um i've thrown through ballistic helmet i just put that video up it was like a chinese ballistic bump helmet but it's still kevlar and fiberglass there's still something you shouldn't be able to stab through um uh two bulletproof vests um We've done Spanish breastplate armor. We've done all kinds of cool stuff, man. I love getting to throw knives at just just That's for amazing. testing. It's my own testing, you know. So, so you've got two blades that you sell. They're production. Um, oh, I also have a tomahawk too. That that primal habitat utility cutting tool, which is a monster. That'll come back up. Uh, they're sold out right now, but they'll come back up. Uh, you've seen those before, I think. Uh, I might have one somewhere. It's probably out in my truck. You just but, sell uh, it off your website. Do you have dealers or? No, I just I'm I'm doing stuff off my own website right now, but I'm going to start doing affiliate links uh, coming up. I know Jake Offgrade wants me to give him an affiliate link and stuff, and there's a few other folks that are asking about that, which is cool. I, but I'm just I, I'm trying to make sure I have the production in place at the high enough level to really go big because a lot of you know I'm working on prototypes right now. You guys can see a prototype I'm working on. This is a little. Uh, nice. Three and a half inch bladed. I call, I'm either going to call it the Roadrunner. Or the GTFO, standing for General Tool for Operations. <laughs> so, but this is a very high purchase blade. Like I can use it as a little knife for work, and you know, fiddle around. But sure. at the same time, I can use this as a self-defense tool. And you should see this thing throw. It just spins like a bullet. So throwing no spin with it is really uh, far. That's but awesome. that takes a certain type of knife to do that. You can't just do that I with any know. knife. So have you thought about going on uh, and getting some dealers, folks like Blade HQ and Knife Center? Uh, you know, I mean, listen, I, I try to make my knives as cheap as possible because I want the knives that I make. I want to be able to afford the knives that I make and I want to be able to produce them in the United States and all that. Blade HQ and all them guys are good, but that's like production dealer stuff where they're doing thousands of units and things and they're taking a... I mean, I can't afford to take the loss that Blade HQ wants because I'm not jacking up the price like that. You know what I mean? I don't have... Right, this huge right. margin you know what i mean so uh i'm when we're using g10 and the handle scales i mean the, everything with the cost put together i try to make a a, 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 mar, a modest margin but at the time i don't have like 
I don't have the quantity to to hit Blade HQ and do all those stuff. Like I thought about doing like my buddies at uh, uh, that store in Vegas. Um, what's the Blade store in Vegas? Uh, right there on the strip, they have um, oh yeah, it's really cool. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, man. I got I haven't been to Vegas to see the Blade store, so I got to be honest. But that sounds pretty cool. They got one really awesome blade store in Vegas right on the strip and it's called, uh, the name escapes me, but I might do something like that with them where I put a few blades out here and there, but you know, I, I don't know, man, I would like to, but we'll see what happens. I want to get my own website and stuff going. I, uh, I don't have the, the, the production capacity to do all that. Like I'm working on customs right now. A lot of knives that I make are custom. And do you also teach courses uh, on knife throwing and stuff like that? Is that part of your business model? Yeah, I do travel around and teach quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, the, it just depends on what I'm teaching. If I'm teaching like a strict knife throwing classroom, it depends on if I'm teaching SF groups or police or children. You know what I mean? So it's uh, like I have endorsements from the Army Rangers Hall of Fame group, the World Martial Arts Training Brigade, like a bunch of cool stuff, which I'm really honored for. But what I'm teaching is not it's not like a rocket science. It's like, hey, here's a rock. Throw it at your bad guy. Hey, it, it, add a point to it. No, it's simple. Um, it's it, what I'm doing is not churched up rocket science. It's just, if you can go, Hey, whoop, and hit somebody with something like you would cut them with a the blade. It's the same thing I'm doing. I'm just projecting wow. that cut forward. So it's very applicable, very easy to grab. It's just, you got to not overcomplicate the science of throwing a knife. It's just really throwing a pointy rock. Knife is a point. It's like throwing a pony rock. That's pretty cool. So the Michael Jordan of knife throwing, the one and only, <laughs> is telling us this is a knife is like throwing a pony rock. I love it. So you sell knives. You have courses on how to throw knives. You work with children. You work with special forces. You work with law enforcement. Um, thank you for what you do to help the people that fight, bleed, and die to keep the rest of us safe, be better at what they do. I think that's fantastic. I think that's important in this day and age. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun for me. I mean, to me, dude, the biggest thing is awareness, just awareness, like, like an officer, like, look, if people are like, Oh, what are you going to teach knife throwing to a cop for? I don't, I teach them that at the end for fun. What I teach them is awareness of what a blade to do can do, what to watch out for, what to expect with the fact that that didn't stop in their bulletproof vest, um, how to use a knife under duress, because the only time a cop's ever going to need to use a blade as a weapon is when what someone's over top of you, pounding the life out of you. There's no backup and your weapons out of battery. That's yeah. it. That's it. But awareness of what to expect from the bad guy and what's possible if you get attacked by a knife. And that way he has a very clear comprehension of what's possible. You're not going to find knife throwing ninja bad guys. This isn't the 16th century. So at the same time, it's nice to know what to expect or nice to know how to deal with someone with a knife. You know, like shoot him. Don't let him get close. As soon as you see that blade come out, get gone. You know what I mean? Get Get yourself back, move off the line, get, you know, all the things that they've already taught you how to do, but knowing what happens when, look, I mean, I, I can show you how to shut somebody off really quick with a knife. It, it's not rocket science. I just know what's inside of you and what to cut. Like it's, it's a, it's a real quick thing. So understand that that goes against you also, you know? So like I said, little blades cut you open, big blades cut you in half, you know, like this blade right here is a custom that I made a 1095 big old. But the edge geometry on that, and I just saw a video today where a guy came out. Did you see that video today that dropped? No, I haven't, but I'll watch it. But that's oh, a huge dear knife. God. It's, yeah. It, well, they had, the guy had a blade bigger than this. But the problem is the edge geometry was horrible, which is good for the person that got hit in the neck with it because they lived. Yeah, it was bad. 
Well, this puppy, this uh, katana man uh, from Zombie Tools, this thing's deadly. <laughs> yeah. I know. I got one. I took it to the Smash Room in Vegas, and then I reground it to make the edge geometry better uh, to bring it down to a thinner edge before it was sharpened. And let me tell you, it, once it's reground, because uh, they, you know, the edge is a little fat. The geometry on that edge is a little bit fat. So, but once you bring it down, I've cut what ten water bottles in succession with it without them tipping over. Just you know. So, if you see videos on my page where I show edge geometry, I'll put like a toilet paper roll or something up and just push through it, and it doesn't tip over the toilet paper roll. Yeah, so I, edge geometry is real important. So, you know, one of these days, I'll, I'll maybe have you show me how to do that or do that for me because this thing's this thing's awesome. I mean, I I when I got it, I took it out with me. I cut through some cardboard. It 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 cuts through that cardboard pretty sweetly. I mean, um, I was opening up the sheath uh-huh. and I opened up the sheath and anyways, the blade just kind of went like that. My finger was up here and I oh, was just yeah. pulling it out. It wasn't even, it wasn't even doing anything, you know? And it just went slice. And I'm like, sure. No. So uh, if I told you one of the things about edge geometry, right? Like, so edge geometry is a real thing. So it can be sharp, but the edge can be fat before it's sharpened. I'm trying to find my zombie tools of Pakatana right now, actually. Um, I could show it to you because I reground it, uh, and it's really cool. I think it might be down in the shop. Let's, let's go on a little walk here. Let's That's do it, fun. man. I'm digging uh, it. Well, uh, because if you've got one, you know the difference, and I can show you the difference because, I mean, look, I, I, I've only been making knives for about two years, and I can make some really cool stuff because my buddy Travis Wirtz taught me how to make knives. And... Um, because of that, I've learned the differences and things that I already knew, but didn't know, you know, knew in my heart, but didn't know quite how to say. And uh, so learning edge geometry is a really big thing, like learning the difference between an edge just being sharp and having edge geometry that will actually cut. What we're talking about here is spread rate, just like a bullet. If a bullet is pointy, it's going to have a lot easier time passing through something until it starts to deform. The same thing would apply to a blade, except the blade doesn't deform. The, the sharper the edge or the more the edge comes down to sharp before it's sharpened means the go. easier time it will come into. Uh, now look, I, I will show you this if I can see it. That's oh not yeah, the I can see it. Yeah. See. So that comes down to a very thin edge before it's sharpened, right? And that, I, I know that's not the best uh, visual here. You see, see that there? Yeah, so you can can't even it, see man. the sharpened edge on it. That silver line is just a buff liner that I gave it. That's yeah. the edge. See it barely there? Yeah, I can see it. So it's barely there. And what that does is it makes the primary come down almost all the way to sharp before it's sharpened, which reduces your spread rate, which makes it pass through things like this thing. I, I sent him a video on it, and I reground this thing to be very knifey. What I call knifey is a Travis uh, Wirtz adopted term. Yes. And then I cut through lines of trees with it next to my driveway, and it performed flawlessly. So good job on them. And uh, But edge geometry is a real thing. So... Um, yeah, it, it makes all the difference. If that lady that got hit in the neck was done with the blade that had proper edge geometry and wasn't just like a homemade club blade, her head would have been off. Uh, at Ed's class, I asked him if they wanted to see what happens when a hog gets cut in half with a big blade. And I have that trailing point recurve that I made. And I pulled it out and just cut that hog in half and it just dropped. It doesn't even swing. So that shows you that i could cut a man in half with his arms down by his sides and not even yeah so there's a big that's knowing edge geometry knowing what you're facing is going to make all the difference you know you imagine soldiers 
back in the days when people fought primarily with edged weapons, mm -hmm. when they were about to get hit with one of those things, the terror that must have gone through their heads. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the limbs fall off. And that's the thing, like with armor, I can test that the armor, you know, armor will stop a slice and it'll also dull the blade. That's why even Masashi details stabbing the face when your blade is too dull to cut. And, you know, it's because you're hitting armor and, and, and other things like that. Like the original Japanese swords had crown spines. And why did they have a crown spine? Well, because I wasn't trying to parry a blade with the blade edge. I would try to knock it out of the way with the spine. And that spine would provide an edge crown like this, which means the edge of another blade would dig into it easier than just hitting a flat top. And that would also help me in parrying a blade out of the way. But yeah, you take you take a man. And there's plenty of stories from World War One, World War Two about dudes being cut in half with bayonets, just regular bayonets. If guys knew edge geometry. Things were sharp, machetes, things like that. Come on, there's nothing new under the sun. I can show you a water buffalo beheading video with a little guy from uh, uh, from Nepal. And he's like this little villager, but he's got a two-foot kukri. He just takes that water buffalo's head off right in front of the shoulders and doesn't even, then just drops, you know? So it's wow. edge geometry is, yeah, a blade is much more deadly than a bullet up close. Um, 100%, which is why they say run away from a blade, move toward the bullet. <laughs> if you're So at the same time, it's like, you know, people are talking like, well, I don't know. I know there was a couple of comments on the Warrior Poet Society's thing about, uh, you know, bullets don't come out of people and i'm like dude refraction rate's a really big thing especially with the type of round and the things that you're using bullets can come out easy off on funny angles when they go through people and up close bullets go right through folks a lot of times we have you've seen the ups thing we had a guy here in omaha a guy filming for cops get shot under his vest he was off at a 45 degree angle filming and the bullet ricocheted and came through the guy and came off at a funny angle and and hit him killed him and uh jesus so, I mean, refraction rate's a really big thing. If you've ever gone hunting, people are like, oh, I want to carry the biggest caliber I can, the biggest thing I can. Well, I like my 45 because it goes slow. It's not about, oh, it's a bigger bullet. or It's a stop. I want the bullet to stop. But the knife throw is, look, I can, I can pull that out just as fast, if not faster, and I can shoot a gun. And if you've ever seen some of the speed throwing stuff that we do, I mean, me and Jerry Mitchell like, went up head to head. So just keep that in mind that in under a second, I can deliver a blade. And if I throw, look where my hand goes right down to concealed carry. So as I'm throwing, I'm already backing up. But what it does is it lets me, uh, it's another tool in my toolbox because sometimes you don't have a gun, but this applies to all objects that are of relevant weight. I could throw a dish plate at you and it would be the same thing, right? It's under 10 feet, I'm delivering such a force multiplication that I, I could throw a plate at you and it would be the same. It does what I needed to do in the time I needed to do it. So let's just look at, you know, what it is and then don't treat it. But like at the same time, I throw a blade. Well, then guess what? Staccato, you know, to make sure that you don't have to have more holes in you. But it also stops me from having to, because I'm telling you, people don't understand until that adrenaline dump happens and your focus goes right into what you're looking at. Are you going to look around and make sure that there's no bystanders and everything's going to be fine when there's a lawyer attached to every single bullet you fire? So, and, and it's not even about the lawyer. It's about like, what if you accidentally shoot somebody? Make sure your background's clear. Do I have that kind of time? Are we standing in a crowd of people? Because you're not going to fire 10 rounds at somebody five feet away from you in a crowd of people and expect those bullets to all stop in that person. It just won't. So what's that person going to do immediately when they hit, get hit by rounds? If it's not in the head, what are they going to do? Run. So you're firing at them and people are like, well, why'd you shoot him in the back? Well, I started shooting him, but he turned around and ran right away while I was still firing and he didn't drop. I, I tried to let off, but he turned and ran as soon as I hit him with the round, you know? 
So there's a lot of variables there that um, can be considered. Uh, at the same time, it's just logic. It's just, just look, throw the, if I'm standing there with my blade and I've got a baby tooth, but there's a sizable rock at my foot, throw the rock, keep the knife. <laughs> if you only got one knife, obviously don't throw it. If, if I have no duty or if I, if I can retreat and I don't have my kids, run away, go fight to better cover. There's no shame in living. But at the same time, I can't pick up two kids and run as fast as somebody might be chasing me with the machete. So it's just another tool in your toolbox. At the same time, it's super duper fun. But logic and wisdom must be applied in all applications. At the same time, I can pin you to a wall with a knife. It's just how physics works. So it's fun, right? <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I'm really enjoying the conversation because I ask you a question and then you go. <laughs> and you just provided so much detail uh, in and around this area. And some of the things you're saying are uncomfortable here. But in this day and age where you very well could be in a life or death situation where someone could have evil intent towards you and the people you love, it's important to understand how to defend yourself and take care of yourself. I think the work that you do is really important. I'm glad that there's men like you out there ready to teach those that do rough justice on our behalf how to do it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the work that you do. I, I find it fascinating that someone can make a living as a professional knife thrower and, and also make knives and, and offer uh, a great opportunity for collectors like me to, to, to come and buy what you have to offer because it, it's, just, it's just awesome. Awesome to see what yeah. you do. Awesome to see a real patriot helping our, our law enforcement and military men and women become equipped to do what they need to do in order to help preserve our way of life, help preserve freedom. Men and women fight, bleed, and die so you and I can enjoy the blessings of liberty. And that is a beautiful thing, and it's something that I will never take for granted. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, knowing where you come from and, and a little bit about your past, too, it means a lot as an American or other Americans to hear what you just said. So I hope that folks can, uh, you know, hear that message too, because it's important to, you know, guys like me, who's my, one of my heroes is Whitney Young, a black civil rights leader who did some of the best work in the civil rights department ever written and completely wiped out of history, started his work here in my hometown. And uh, wow. yeah, no one even knows his name. So I, I know, and everybody knows what time it is, but it's, uh, uh, it's a cool name, baby. Whitney Young, love it. Whitney Young, that's his name, right? But uh, but that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, I'm not teaching somebody something illogical and something that's uh, not attainable. So that's the biggest thing. Like I show, tell people, look, you have to be able to do it under duress or it's not effective. Um, there's not, uh, you see all the MMA fighter dudes. Well, what do they do when they go into the ring? They fight MMA. They fight aggressively, like not like what they train like, right? They can have a guy with all these moves and all this cool drills and all this stuff but when they get in a fight what do they use boxing and wrestling brazilian jiu-jitsu running away those type of techniques that actually work you know so that's like i'm saying like uh, there's the, uh, that's why i show cops it's like look if you have a folding knife it's most likely a tool if you have like this is a quarter inch thick blade it's about a half a pound it's something formidable in your hand that you know is there the, the tool is going to work for you. There's not a 50 step knife fighting program. That's going to save your life. Put your blade up and walk, you know, if you get it into somebody pull down, just, just rake. It's the same thing that anybody would do. You watch any experienced blade guy, 
what are they going to do? They're going to cut you in your, uh, it, there's a difference between disabling and injuring. If I step, if I cut you across your stomach, uh, across your stomach and I cut your diaphragm open and your guts fall out, is that physically or mentally disabling? Well, mentally doesn't stop you from doing this. Doesn't stop you from doing this. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if we're, uh, if you're a cop and we're wrestling around on the ground and you're trying to take my weapon from me and it's out of battery or it fired once, but someone's hands on it, I can't get both hands on it to rack it or whatever. I'm going to pull my blade out from a spot where I can make it, you know, like a lot of cops will carry their blades in their vests here. That way a suspect can't see it so easy and grab it when you're wrestling around because your arm is covering it. But at the same time, I can grab it left hand, right hand. doesn't matter. Pull that thing out. I'm going to pull his head down into my chest and I'm going to take that knife and put it through his neck and use my back muscles to pop that spine. I'm going to sever that spine. You're going to feel it hit the bone and you're going to do this to get it in between. And, and you know what I mean? It's just, you got to know what's inside. You got to actually put your hands in flesh to know what it is. And that's the biggest thing is just experience and wherewithal. It's you or them. It's got to be them. hundred percent. hundred percent. And at the same time, I mean, like civilian courses, I show them the same thing. If I got my blade and I cover like this, I'll, I'll hit you in the leg right above your knee hard. And I'll cut. You do not stab. Don't stab. If you stab in, cut out. If you, if you get your blade here, it's because you have awareness. Mm -hmm. If they're already on top of you, I want my blade like this cutting towards me right? The strongest motion you can make is this pulling back to you like that. So if I put that in your back and I open you up, I'm going to put it in your, and I'm just going to open you up. And that was going to cause disablement. Just like if I can hit you right above your knee and drop you because you can't hold yourself up anymore, hit you here, hit you there. You know what I mean? The, the things that are going to mentally and physically disable someone the fastest are at the core. You know what I mean? You're not going to do some, no, that's not a thing. It's going to be like reaching and rip, reaching and rip. You know what I mean? Try to yeah. block your core, try to defend yourself. It's it's not rocket science. That's the thing with the, the blade choice is so important because a knife might not cut worth a shit and the knife might slice all the way through everything that you've got. So it just depends. Amen. Knife, knife geometry and sharpness are just like pistol calibers and rifle calibers. It's a huge, you know, that they can be directly akin to one another. Edge geometry is so important. So amen, man. Amen. Yeah. So listen, brother, we uh, like to end off each and every single one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert, what are your best three pieces of advice for my listeners to take on to their life so they can do better in business, they can do better in life? What do you say? Um, I mean, obviously, some of the biggest things for me is like, uh, you know, I was a carpenter by trade, so I build people's homes. And I mean, that's a humanitarian act. So it's going to be be kind to people, have humanity, realize that everybody that you see, even if they're having a bad day, there's somebody's brother, family, you know, brother, father, daughter, whatever, you know, uh, the next thing is, uh, you know, do not do anything useless. Don't be afraid to criticize yourself. Don't be afraid to say this didn't work. Why didn't it work? Read the science with logic, remove emotion, look at mm -hmm. it really. Uh, and I guess the third thing would, I would be say is, uh, Anybody that wants to get involved with martial arts needs to learn martial science. Um, the Book of Five Rings, been written by Miyamoto Mustashi, the yes. hardcover, because you're missing a chapter if you don't have the hardcover, uh, is probably one of the best treaties on martial science known to man. Uh, there's a lot of things that are in there that teaching somebody basically the modern science of how to deal with the adrenaline dump. Um, the the pinnacle the secret of martial arts is not all the moves and stuff it's learning how to use the mind um if anyone's ever been in a car accident before that was a surprise they've done it and didn't even know it 
Uh, if you've ever been in a car accident, you feel the slow motion effect. Boom, you hit, and things are moving in slow motion. That's really what's going on is your adrenaline is dumping and your endorphins and your neurons are firing faster at a way higher rate, like a school of fish in water, where the first fish moves at the same time as the last fish, because you're now processing, learning how to cross that bridge and be able to process things and move through to completion and be able to work in that mindset is the pinnacle of martial arts. Life and death is not in a ring. You will never have an adrenaline dump like that for the first few times, but eventually you're fighting yourself. But a life and death fight or a life and death struggle, a, a time pretty much stops for a minute. And if you learn how to operate within that realm, it's important. It's important to be able to digest that and uh, keep the mind. Uh, it's like if you ever race motorbikes, you stop and look at the first tree, you're going to hit the next one. You know what I mean? You got to bring back the mind. If you stop your mind where you've punched or been hit, you're going to get the next hit. You know what I mean? Learning how to rope back the normal mind without having anger, sadness, fear, and anything like that. So. Well, I read Miyamoto Musashi's book, The Book of Five Rings, um, six or seven years ago. I don't remember if it was the hardcover or the uh, or the soft cover, but I'll definitely go and dig it out of my library and check it out. <laughs> yeah, the hardcover has uh, the Book of Family Traditions on the Art of War written by Yagi Munenori in it, which is one of the most insightful into the mind ways of of warfare. Uh, as we all know that Musashi fought over 60 some life and death battles with the sword and never yeah. lost. It was because he learned how to handle his mind. Yeah. He learned the moves to forget the moves, just like everybody does in pistol shooting, riding a bike. An archer doesn't think about his arrow when he draws it. He just does it. He just learned the moves, shooting. forget the moves. So uh, that, yeah. that's the biggest thing is the mind, the adrenaline dump. So as you, would, as you know by anybody who's been in conflict, if you've ever been adrenaline weary before, uh, you know, like really tired from your adrenaline, which is crazy because... Uh, if you have adrenaline with the normal mind, you don't get tired afterwards. It goes away like it started, which if you don't have anger, fear, sadness, those things conflicting the chemicals of, that are flowing, it's, just, it's, it's a wild thing. So really cool. And the car accident thing is what really brings that home for people to understand is because they, don't, they, weren't, they were surprised. And that is the whole different way of not blocking the adrenaline that's flowing through your body, which is crazy. I ride dirt bikes. I've had a lot of close near death accidents. <laughs> <laughs> You're a wild and crazy man, Jason. Oh man, not anymore so much. I'm 40 now and I got children, so we'll just uh, keep going this way. righty. So if people want to buy a knife or find out about your courses uh, or how to how to how to book you to teach them, what's the best way? Uh, ProKnifeThrower.com uh, on most social medias, Instagrams, ProKnifeThrower. You just look me Pro-knife-thrower.com. up. You've got a lot of good stuff on Instagram. I'm a fan. Listener, Jason Johnson, the pro knife thrower, the Michael Jordan of professional knife throwing, man. This is the best in the world at what he does. You know, I really ought to say the Wilt Chamberlain of pro knife throwing. More people recognize who Michael Jordan is. That's why I use that. But I really think Wilt is the GOAT. Make sure that you go to his website. You check out his knives. If you're not a knife nut already, you should become a knife nut. Knives are really cool things. They're man's oldest tool. They're a wonderful thing to have. I bought a knife for my uh, my better half. And she says, what'd you buy me a knife for? I bought her like a nice Mel Pardue design Benchman. Sure, those are great knives. Yeah. No, they're great. You know, with the little uh, the thumb hole there. So yeah, yeah. one day she was like, okay, fine, whatever, whatever. You got me a knife. One day she went shopping with her niece. And her niece, she was in the change room trying on a dress. And so my sweetheart, she was out and about in the store kind of checking things out. And she got a call from her niece. She says, entries, entries. She says, yeah, yeah. Do you have your knife? 
She goes, yeah, I got my knife. She says, I'm stuck in my dress. Can you come cut me out of my dress? Says, oh my God. Yeah. So she went in there. She used the Mel Pardue bench made and cut her out of her dress. Since then, she's been a knife fan. So that's I say awesome. knives are great tools for, for people to have. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, man. It's a, it just depends on the levels. If you want to, if you get into a knife thing, start getting up and learning how to use your craft. I mean, just, just get into it, start using it safely, responsibly. You'll get comfortable with things and you can take it always to the next step, you know? hundred percent. hundred percent. So, listener, go to the show notes at, at the thoughtleaderrevolution.com or on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, all the places that this podcast is. Go check out uh, proknifethrower.com to find out more about Jason. Go to his Instagram channel. He's got a lot of cool pictures, a lot of cool videos of some really interesting things he's done. He has been with some of the world's top people within their professions. He's had top athletes there top models, top business people, people like the founder of Warrior Poets Society. I mean, these are big, big people. So make sure that you go, you check out what he has to, to offer and take advantage of it. And listen, here's the other thing you need to do, listener. You need to make sure that if you enjoyed this conversation, you share it with somebody. We don't charge for the show. We don't even have a sponsor. All we ask as payment, if you enjoyed this, share it with somebody. Give us That's a rating. Give us a review. That's how, that, that's how we grow the movement. And we are all about freedom, free speech, and free enterprise. And if you believe in those things, that those values are important to you, help us grow our movement. Make sure that you do that. And if you're interested in learning about how you know, we can help you with business, or frankly, how you can help yourself with business, we've got all kinds of free resources on our website, eastcircleacademy.com. Go over there and check those things out. Okay. Awesome. Jason Johnson, man, thank you so much for being on the show, my brother. It was an honor to have you on. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was a lot of fun. It really was. It really was. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only pro knife thrower, the Michael Jordan of knife throwing, Jason Johnson. Go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast and check it all out. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.